This morning's scripture reading is from Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old with its evil practices, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That is a great morning. Thank you for the music. Every one of those songs speak to the issue that we've been talking about here. The grace of God bestowed on us so that we might have eternal life, the forgiveness of sin. Apparently, though, Derek didn't get the memo from the World Health Organization. Glenn just told me this morning that in the newspaper this morning, I didn't read it, but Glenn related it to me, Glenn Rank, that um, sin, especially of the sexual kind, and this is good news, men, you're going to rejoice at this, It's not sin. Deviant sexual behavior, sex outside of marriage, is not sin. 
it's been declared a sickness. It is no longer your fault. So, hallelujah, huh? I was feeling guilty there for a while. Uh, <laughs> the world just can't go fast enough to declare sinful acts something else. Give it some letters. Give it a, some sort of malady. And um, then we won't have to face the sin. But that's not what the Bible says, and that's not what these songs were all about. These songs were all about Christ dying for us and our sin and, and what happens because of that and uh, what happens when you come to Christ. Now, I want to start this morning by you grabbing that piece of paper, and Bill just read from this, and we're gonna, I want to highlight a couple things in it, talk about some other things, and then come back to it, Okay. If you haven't got one of those pieces of paper that was handed out at the door, raise your hand and we'll, we got plenty of them. We'll get them to you. What it is, it's, the third, it's most of the third chapter of Colossians uh, from a New American Standard uh, version. I took it off uh, Bible Gateway. Um, enough said. I think it's public domain because it was on my computer. I said, I told him I'd rather ask forgiveness than permission, so um, you do need to be careful about those things. This is from uh, the NASB. <clears throat> but I, I want to call your attention to some things here, and we'll just highlight them, and then we'll, we'll come back to it. In verse 1, toward the end of the line, it says, keep seeking the things above. Now, what I want to read to you is instructions on obedience. What, what we are supposed to be doing, I'm really ringing in my ears. So if you can turn me down a little bit or something. Um, so I'll go through this portion of the chapter, and uh, we'll just highlight um, what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, okay? Keep seeking the things above. Verse 2, set your mind on things above. Verse 5, the beginning of the next paragraph. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So, these are things that we are uh, supposed to be getting rid of. Verse 8, put, put this aside, put these all aside, anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech from your mouth. We're supposed to do this. Do not lie to one another. Okay? Verse 12, down that next paragraph. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another. Forgiving each other. Okay? Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Teach one another and admonish one another in all wisdom. Sing to one another in spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to Jesus. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus 
giving thanks through him to the Father. If we were to go on down here in the bottom, we won't go there uh, this morning at all, but wives, be subject to your husbands. There's an instruction for us. Husbands, love your wives. Children, be obedient. So when you get to Colossians chapter 3, it is just filled with instructions on how to live, how we're to be obedient. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. But what I shared with you before in the last couple of Sundays is that in my struggle to do these things, to have this heart of compassion and to have this forgiving spirit and to have, to have what, oh, I, I lose the grip, I lose the power. What, what, well, I don't have the motivation sometimes to do those things. I, did, I, I read those things and I... Uh, lay aside all anger or malice or, or lay aside all slander or abusive speech. And I, I go through those lists and I say, well, Jerry, is, is that your experience? And is it a growing experience in your life? Is victory becoming greater and greater in those areas of your life? And then I say, well, I don't know. kind of kind of hit kind of a plateau here. And so what I was sharing with you is that that drove me back to Colossians and the first and second chapters of Colossians. Because, you see, what we find out is that when we understand what Christ has done for us and we keep thinking about all the blessings that we have, the riches of his blessings, then we start to get motivated to do these other things. It's out of love. These songs that Derek had were just expressions of that. Out of the love of Christ, what you've done for me, then I'm going to be obedient. It's an interesting thing. I don't know, uh, some of you uh, surely know this and uh, have thought about it before, but if you read through the Old Testament, you keep seeing the Lord deal with the nation of Israel, and he tells them over and over again, if you will do this, 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 and this, then you will receive these blessings. Um, uh, turn with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1. I did just a good reference for it, the great book of Isaiah. It starts out in the very, very beginning of it with this admonition. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. And this is just a sample, just an example and a sample that is all through the, um, the Old Testament. This is that beautiful passage where he says in Isaiah 1:18, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There is a condition. You eat the best of the land if you do this, if you do that. All through the Old Testament, you see that obedience brought blessings. In the New Testament... The blessings bring obedience. 
I want to repeat that for you because it's, it's a very important truth. In the Old Testament, obedience brought blessings from God on the nation of Israel. In the New Covenant, the covenant of Christ's blood, the blessings that He bestowed on us and bestows on us when we become Christians, the 33 riches of His grace that He gives us, that brings obedience. It's not the other way around. So it's just reversed from the Old Testament. Old Testament, if you do these things, I'm going to bless you. New Testament, I have blessed you beyond all measure. And when that sinks in, and we begin to realize that, and we begin to meditate on that, we begin to think on those things that he's done, it brings obedience. Guilt is not, is not excuse me, a very good motivator to look at your failings and say, oh, I, I need to do better. I'm going to have a New Year's resolution. I'm going to have, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to start doing that uh, because um, uh, it says here I should. Uh, that, that doesn't play out too well. What works in the long run is loving Christ. And why do we love Christ? Because of who he is and what he's done for us. And how do we know who he is and what he's done for us? We get in the scripture and we read it and we study it. We listen to it being preached to us. We listen, we listen to somebody's testimony. But it's the scripture, it's God's word that teaches us what he's done for us. And all we do is we trust him in it. Uh, last week, I uh, mentioned uh, that um, Lewis Berry Schaefer had put a list together of 33 of the riches of Christ's graces that we receive at the moment of salvation. Just to review, um, these things are learned not by our experience, but by knowing the facts of the Bible. In other words, you don't, uh, it's, it's not an experiential truth that you know that you're a son of God. It is a reality that you learn from the Bible. You don't know that your sins are forgiven for eternity when you become a Christian, except that you read about it in Scripture. You know it. Redeemed, you've been bought with a price. How do you know that? Because I read about it in Scripture. They are, um, they're not progressive, these things. Um, these positions of grace or blessings of the Lord are not necessarily progressive, or they're not progressive. Uh, you're a son. You're a, when you become a Christian, you're a son of God, and you don't become more of a son. Uh, you're redeemed by the blood of Christ, and you don't get more redeemed. Uh, you're his gift. Did you know that, the scripture? That's one of the blessings. Um, now we'll talk about it in a moment. Um, the, these blessings are not related to any human effort. We find that in scripture. They're all something that God just gives us because we believe him. Just because we believe him. We trust him. We become born again in that trust. And in that being born again, these things are given to us. They're not related to human effort, and they are eternal. 
Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, and last week this was the, we had this reading, and I'm, I meant to mention this last week, and I, I, I want to come back to it because I didn't get to it last week. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And I'll just take a moment here. But we mentioned last week that there were 33 of these riches that were given to us. I, I listed some out of Colossians. Uh, we were rescued from the domain of darkness. We were transferred under the, into the kingdom of his beloved son. We have been redeemed. We've been paid for. Uh, we, all, our sins are forgiven. We're reconciled to God. We've been made complete. There, were, there are some others, and we all three, I'm not going to go through all 33 of them, but in the, in the book of Ephesians, um, right at the beginning, starting with verse 3, it says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So it's just a big, wonderful, broad statement that Paul is saying he has just blessed us. It's just nothing that we have done. It's what he did when he went to the cross, and he did it for us, and he just poured that out on us. And that picture last Sunday of, of, of the rain coming down from heaven on us, it's, it's, it's just, he pours it out on us, okay? And then Paul uses these terms here next. I'll start reading it from the beginning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. One of the things that you find out when you become a Christian and you start studying the scripture is that you were an object of God's love in eternity past and are going to be an object of God's love into eternity future. The terms that describe this are things like election, predestined, chosen, called. Now, in our circles today in Christianity, we have done such a disservice to these truths. Because as soon as we read those truths, we start getting an argument on how, how God could do that. He's not trying to tell you how he did it. He's saying this is what you are. When you enter into the kingdom of God, when you have put your faith and trust in Christ, you realize that you're an object of his personal love from eternity past to eternity future. You are the elect of God. You are chosen of God. You can bask in his love. How is it, how do you do that? I don't know. But I want to tell you something. It gives me great joy and great pleasure to know that from eternity past to eternity future, Jerry Boyle's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Wow. Now, did I have to believe that? Of course I did. Scripture's very plain about that. Well, well then how did that? No, that's not the point. 
please, don't get all mixed up in arguments over that sort of thing. God says you are his elect. You are his chosen. You have been called by him. You are an eternal love example of Christ's love. Wow. I mean, if that doesn't thrill your heart. And he said, he predestines me to become the image, develop in the image of his son. You may not think I'm a whole lot like Jesus, but I'll tell you what, someday I'm going to be like him in my activities, in my thinking, in my, in my obedience. Now, you might have to have a little patience with me. I'm only 75, so, you know, it's taken a while. But that's where God has taken me, and that's where he's taken you. And we can fumble around down here, and we can sin, and we can fall short, and we can feel guilty, and we can make bad decisions, and, and we can weep and moan over our uh, troubles and, and over our disobedience. But you know what? When you put your trust in the Lamb of God of Calvary for your salvation, he is going to take you into all eternity as his object of his love. And he's going to show you off from now into all eternity. And that had an anchor in past eternity as well. Wow, what a, what a gift. Um, turn with me to John 10, 29. John 10, 29. I wonder, this is another just, this is something you became. You, you might have a hard time believing this. I have a hard time believing it when I look at you. John, <laughs> you'll get it. John 10, 29. John 10, 29. You like Christmas? Boy, I like Christmas. John 10, 29. Are you there? John 10, 29. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. There's other places in Scripture that speak of the same truth, that we as believers are God's gift to the Son. Yeah, we are God's gift to the Son. Now, we do get something in exchange as well. We get to be a son of God. We get to have eternity with him. We get to have fellowship with him. We have great access right into the throne of of grace because of it. But think about it. You are God's gift to Jesus. Now, that doesn't want to make you act like a good gift. I don't know what does. I, I, I'm sorry, Jesus. I, I haven't been a real good gift, but I, I'm, I'll tell you what. Because that's who I am, and that's who God gave. He, he gave me to you, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like it. 
Well, let's turn back to uh, this piece of paper that I gave you this morning and, and look at some things. Open your Bibles to Colossians 1. That's the easiest thing to do here. And what I did is I put it on some bigger pieces of paper so these little eyes can see it. So I have actually Colossians chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 1 on these two pieces on these paper that I ran off in big print. Now, when we get over to Colossians chapter 3, and I just love this part. I, I don't know. This is, I call collecting the dots in Christianity. This is, huh. For all that you have done, the song we started, I think, the one we started down with. For all of you have done, then, okay. And this is what it is. Now, now let's look with me here. And I don't know if you mark your Bibles up. I hope you do. Um, make notes and highlight and those kinds of things. But look at this first verse. It says in that verse, keep seeking the things above. What is he saying before that that gives us reason to do that? What is the reason we should keep seeking things above? Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, turn back to Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. In fact, and I just, you, you, you no doubt realize it, but I just repeat it. Everything that he asks us to do in chapter 3 and 4 has its basis in what he's done for us in chapters 1 and 2. So it makes a real fun study, if you'd like to do this sort of thing, is you lay your Bible out and you go, you start looking at what he asks us to do, and then you try to figure out uh, what, what did he do for us that motivates us to do that. And so when we look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him up from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. Verse 1, chapter 3. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, in other words, your position in Christ has been raised up to glory. When he died for you, he raised you from the dead. Now, your physical body is going to die, but spiritually, that old spiritual self is dead, and you've raised up the spiritual man that's going to live for eternity with Christ. I'm already seated in the heavenlies. He said, if I've done that for you, then you ought to keep seeking the things above. Start setting your mind on higher things than things on this earth. Well, that, that makes sense, because that's who I am now. I'm somebody that's been raised up with Christ. So, I better start thinking like somebody that's been raised up with Christ. I need to set my things on things above. That is repeated in verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. In other words, this is, you're not, your citizenship isn't here anymore. I, I, I've, you've died with me, and that picture has died with me in, in baptism, and in that baptism you've been raised up with him. So, because of that, Set your mind on things above. Verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead 
to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Now, I don't want to show our hands here, but do you have any trouble with greed, evil desire, passion, impurity, immorality? God says, you need to lay those things aside. Consider the members of, your, of, of this life dead to those things because he's died for those. And that was the old man. That's been put aside. So no longer can you say, well, I, I have to submit to those things. This is in my flesh. No, he died for your, the body of flesh. It's going to tell us in Colossians. So, if that's, the kind, if that's who I am in Christ, then I, I need to consider the members of my body dead to immorality, impurity, passion. When those things come knocking, that evil desire, that immorality, that greed, When it comes knocking, we can say to it, hey, that's not my nature anymore. I, 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 I want to I be, I'm, I can be dead to those things. I can refuse those things. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation in you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful with the temptation. Also make a way to escape that you'll be able to bear it. Why? How's that work? Why? Because I am no longer enslaved to this old man. I'm a new man in Christ. How do I know that? I have to read about it. I have to study about it. I have to think on it. It's not something that just my intuition tells me. It's something God revealed to me. He wants me to know that. He wants me to know who I am and how eternal I am and how forgiven I am for all eternity. Verse 8, but now you also put them all aside. Well, let, let, let's uh, start in 7, excuse me. And in them you also once walked, chapter 2, verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. In chapter 1, verse 13, he says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. That's where we were before we came to Christ, before some good neighbor came to us and said, You know what? Why don't you come to church? I, I, I want you to hear about the gospel. I'll get you know, let's get in a Bible study, or uh, let's go to Billy, uh, Franklin Graham, or let, let's go to church. Let's. Well, they come to you and they befriend you and they ask you to come and you sit there and pretty quick you start listening to these things and at first they're kind of foreign, they don't make much sense. You sing songs that you go, wow, wow, what's all that about? And then it begins to sink in that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself, died for your sins. And what begins to stir in your heart is this, I'm guilty. And I do believe that I don't care what the World Health Organization says or I don't care what anybody else might say. Down deep, 
in a sinner's soul, he knows he's guilty before a loving God and a just God. And he can argue, he can write, he can say all kinds of crazy things, but in the quietness of his heart, down with the stream when he goes fishing, and all the world is cut out, and he looks at the trees and he looks at the water, or he's camping one night and he looks up at the stars, he knows in his heart of hearts there's a God. And he knows in his heart of hearts he's been created. He knows he's not an accident. He knows he's not some evolutionary blip on the radar. He knows there's a God, and he knows that he is guilty before that God. Count on it. Speak to it when we talk to our friends. Verse 8, but now you also put them all aside, anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Why? Because Christ paid for all those things, took those things, and we're a new man in Christ. We've been raised up with him. We're seated in heavenly places. Wow, thank you, Lord. Well, in that case, I think I'll start acting like it. Anger. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have a problem with that? Uh, don't, don't raise your hand. Huh? Boy, there are some things that can just set me off. Now, basically, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. But there are some red flags in my life that if it gets touched on, I get it. It just ticks me off. But you know what? I can see that coming. Shut your mouth. Do not respond, Jerry. I'm talking to me now. Think who you are. Who are you? I'm a new man in Christ. I'm seated in the heavenly places. Is a display of anger coming from me appropriate for me? Or is it acting out of the character that I am in Christ? It is. It's acting like something that's in the past. And it's been paid for and it's done with. And yet I, I don't allow it. I don't allow him. I don't allow my thinking to realize who I am in Christ. And if that's who I am, then you know what? It's okay if you don't think I'm the greatest fellow in the world. It's okay even if you don't think my grandson is wonderful. Now that can get real close. But, but it's okay. It's okay. You see, we, 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 have, we can deny sinful actions in our life. But it takes knowing who we are, it takes thinking on who we are, and it takes thanking Jesus for who we are on a continual basis. And then we'll begin to act like his son. Verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. Look at a 122. Chapter 1, verse 22. When I was memorizing this and I have been memorizing this, I, I came to this and I, I just, this verse here, I thought, oh my goodness. 
this is just, I, this just kind of overwhelms you. Let me read verse 21. You got it there, it's the beginning of a paragraph. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Who, me? <laughs> Who, me? That's what that reconciliation on the cross did through his blood on the cross. Holy, blameless, So we go back to verse 12 in chapter 3. And so as those who have been chosen of God, you're this eternal object of God's love. And you've become to realize it now that you become a Christian. And God tells you you're his elect, you're his uh, chosen, his called. And you begin to realize that. And he said, if that's your standing, and you're holy, and you're beloved, then here's what you ought to do. You ought to put a heart on a heart of compassion. Now I tell you, I, I am not, in my way of thinking, I know a lot of, lot of Christians are, who are so much more compassionate than I am. that they will go out of their way time and time and time again. They will sacrifice time and time again money and effort and even health to minister to other people. They have a heart of compassion and kindness. That's what God wants me to have. Up the compassion level, up the kindness level up the humility level. Funny how those things come together, isn't it? The heart of compassion, kindness, and then he says humility, like maybe humility, the lack of it, has been keeping you from being real compassionate and kind. Hmm. Maybe my uh, pride has kept me from being so compassionate. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. You know what? There is absolutely no reason for a Christian not to be forgiving. And I don't care what your mom and dad did to you. I don't care what your grandpa did to you. I don't care what the sex predator did to you. There is no reason for a Christian not to forgive offenses against them. Why? Why? On what basis? Because you have been forgiven. You have been totally forgiven. God, see, you can't harbor bitterness and animosity towards somebody that has offended you, and maybe in some very terrible ways, because You've offended God Almighty, and He forgave you. So if you're holding on to something, better let it go. 
better let it go. Ask God to help you let it go. Put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Why? Just as the Lord forgave you. So also you should, beyond all these things, put on love. And we'll pick it up there next time. In the Old Testament, it was obedience brings blessing. In the New Testament, God's blessing brings obedience. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that you've so graciously given to us, preserved it over these so many years, the manuscripts. Lord, thank you for the different translations, the different uh, work that great men of faith have done and, and bringing this to the English language for us that we can understand it. Thank you for the many scholars that have poured over the scripture and poured over the scripture and tried to understand every word, every phrase, every line so that we might know that we can trust this Bible that we have in our hands. Thank you for them. And thank you for making it very, very clear to us, Lord, that you have blessed us with riches in heavenly places and motivate us, Lord, through that love for what you've done for us to love others. And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.